What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Process Podcast. I am Charlie Witkowski, joined as always by my best friend, Nick Veronica. Nick, how you doing, man? Good. Charlie, I have to ask you, how you, you're living in Atlanta. How are the Josh's Jacks that I sent you? Man, first of all, when I had them on Monday morning, they tasted like 3-0. <laughs> they, they, they almost tasted like MVP, but they definitely wow. tasted like Offensive Player of the Month. <laughs> Josh Allen, um, he's lighting it up. Um, if you guys, if you haven't tried the cereal, it's available at Wegmans. I was really skeptical because I had uh, TO's O's back when he was here, and not gonna lie, one of the worst cereals I've ever eaten like just plain, <laughs> bland, like store brand Cheerios, just with like no sugar, just bad, like really bad. And so I was skeptical of Josh Allen cereal because it's the same company. And when you look on like the box, it's the same spoon that they use for T.O. and Mario and all those other people. And they literally just colored the the O's red and blue. And I'm like, this is going <laughs> to be a disaster. But I will say uh, they, they kind of just taste like uh, like store brand Fruit Loops. Like they're they're plenty of sugar, like enjoyable, uh, enjoyable little. I don't know if it's a healthy breakfast, but it's part of a balanced breakfast if you balance it with other good stuff yeah if you, if you have some fruit with it then you could say it's it's part of a balanced breakfast but by itself uh there's definitely a lot of sugar in there so if you don't have a sweet tooth in the morning i definitely don't suggest the cereal but it's very good uh, uh calories don't count on victory monday okay they, they definitely don't they definitely don't <laughs> that, that's true that's true i will say though i do have a box of flutie flakes in the cupboard as well right next to my josh allen cereal Wait, you in the cupboard, unopened. Uh, yeah, one of his new boxes from last year. I got it for Wait, Christmas. Hold on, Doug Flutie's got... making new boxes. You have not seen the blue Flutie Flakes boxes they come out with. Why? Who cares about Doug Flutie in 2020? So they redid the cereal for his charity or something like that, like um, the 20th anniversary or something. I think I could reach over here and read you because I have a box right here as well. Uh, the Doug Flutie Jr. Foundation for Autism is what uh, Flutie Flakes benefited. So, yes. all right. Um, that's why they do. They yes. do that shit. Okay. Well, it's for a good cause. Um, Flutie flakes were they were sugary enough, if I recall. Sure. And they, they put were very- they, they were there was a chocolate bar with Flutie flakes in it. There was a gummy fruit snacks that were flu- Flutie uh, theme. So, um, oh, dude, yeah. I actually I actually wrote a paper, not to get too far off topic here, but I wrote a paper in third grade, or second grade about Doug Flutie. <laughs> I, I was a short little kid in, in, in elementary school. I didn't have my growth spurt until maybe ninth grade. And uh, I wrote a paper about how he gives short people a good name and how, how when I grow up, I want to be just like Doug Flutie. <laughs> That's incredible. I, I, want to, I want to have a cereal named after me called Charlie Flakes. Oh, I had it wow. all planned out. Yeah. All right. See, this is why like other people like plan out the opens of their podcast. So we kind of just, just see where it's going to go. Like <laughs> this is the good – like if we planned this, we would have never got here. No, we, we would never be talking about my third grade essay. No, all right. Um, anyway, Buffalo Bills are three and zero for the uh, second consecutive year. It's the first time they're three and zero in consecutive years since the Super Bowl era. So, good omen there. Always good to be uh, undefeated. Never bad. Let's talk about three and zero, and then we'll talk about this week against the Raiders. So the Bills had a massive lead, looked to be in control against the Rams. They were up 28-3, to that magical score you apparently don't want to be up by. Um, blew, blew the whole lead, if we're going to be honest here. Gave up four consecutive touchdowns and were trailing 32-28 to in the final minutes of the game. And if they had blown this lead, it would have been the biggest blown lead in franchise history. It would have been just an unbelievably terrible what-the-blank loss for this team um and honestly it would have been on the defense which is how many years have we well it hasn't been too many years i guess but basically since mcdermott's had really his stamp on things he's been saying wow this defense is so good you know hope the offense can catch up and it's kind of turned Mm -hmm. around this year but the bills drove back down josh allen had another fourth quarter comeback which he is just incredible with those got maybe fortunate on a pass interference penalty extended the drive Definitely the Bills deserved at least one call, probably more after something interception in the first half that we will talk about. 
And uh, or, I'm sorry, it was not in the first half, right? That was in the third quarter, maybe. Yes. Okay. Uh, we'll we'll talk about it all. Anyway, the Bills came back. They won. It was heroic again. It was the full Josh Allen experience. TM trademark roller coaster. You don't know what's going to happen. And um, man, this team you can never say they aren't exciting. No, I mean to say the least, right? Like they, they it, it's first of all, it's strange to watch a Bills game, you know, in the McDermott era, and see the offense being the ones that are more or less winning the game, right? We've seen it too many times where the defense has had to come out and bail out the offense multiple times, especially in the second half. And now all of a sudden it seems like the defense and Josh, or the, I'm sorry, the offense and Josh Allen are saying, guys, get on my back. Let's go. Let's ride out of here victorious and move on to, to, to next week. And, it's definitely uh, something to you know. It's definitely exciting to say the least. I, I I've I don't know the last time, at least in 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 my lifetime, you know. Again, other than maybe ninety nine, where I have been this excited about a team. You know, last year I thought they were good, but they were also good playing a week schedule. Um, and and they when they when they had these games against good teams, potential playoff teams, as we talked about last week. Josh Allen and, and, and the, this Buffalo Bills team have not been very good against potential playoff teams year in and year out. But that all changed last week, and they definitely came out, and they were definitely, uh, you know, even without looking at the score, they were the best team in the first half of football, maybe even, even the first uh, two and a half halves of football. Um, then all of a sudden – with about eight minutes left in the third quarter, everything just kind of shifted. And it was right after that interception, quote unquote, interception mm-hmm. that Josh Allen threw, where it just seemed like everything just kind of started to spiral downhill. Yep. So, you know, we might as well just talk about it right now. So we're in the third quarter. Bills are still leading at this point. Josh, uh, I think we can agree, probably should not have thrown this pass, right? It's going just, just throw it away, man. Just, don't do it. Anyway, he threw it up there. Receiver's going up. You see this ball coming at you. It's floating into double coverage, right? Like your your thought is, all right, try to just scramble this play. Don't have a turnover. Like commit pass interference if you need to. It's like hauling down a guy on a breakaway. Like don't give him a clear shot. Like if you take a penalty, fine. Don't give up something terrible. And it looks like the Bills come down with the pass. And then there's some wrestling for it, like always. You know, it's football. You know, going for the ball. And then they reviewed it and they decided that the ball goes to the Rams. And it was just totally baffling because it would seem that the Bills had either had the ball and then lost it or would have been down in that case, or it was like joint possession, which goes to the receiving team. So that was just just mind blowing, it seems. Um the the referees said later in the week that they basically uh, blew it off as like, well, it was tough to overturn, you know, the call on the field. It's still the wrong call. It was really sort of turned the game around and just so frustrating. It was Josh Allen's only interception of the season so far and his own team caught it. So I don't know what more you have to say about that. It was just, just no, no explanation for that. Well, on top of the interception, you know, which uh, obviously I think an asterisk belongs next to that interception. Nick, Josh Allen had another 300-yard game. When's the last time Buffalo had a, a quarterback throw for 300 yards three weeks in a row? I should know that. I might be – I'm not going to say the wrong thing. Let me look that up for you. Well, while you're looking that up, let me ask you this question. Okay. If I told you that Josh Allen – if I told you at the beginning of the football season that Josh Allen would have three consecutive weeks of 300-yard passing – Mm-hmm. back-to-back weeks of four touchdowns and only one interception through three games. Would you have believed me? Uh, well, I trust you, so I would believe you, but uh, somebody else, if, I would be a little if somebody else, let's, let's just use as an example uh, our, our guest from two weeks ago, Brad Gelber. If Brad Gelber told you this, how would you? Oh, man. Now, now you're Because now you're you're going to get me in trouble here because I'm already saying, well, if somebody else told me, now I'm going to throw Brad <laughs> under the bus and say, oh, Brad was being such a fanboy. Listen to what Brad said. No. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, listen, I, I honestly, I would have thought it is possible. I would have thought Brian Dable was doing a heck of a job, and I would have thought that they were maybe playing some uh, a string of weaker opponents or somebody had a rash of COVID or something and wiped out their DBs and Josh took advantage. But they did play. I mean, the Jets are looking pretty terrible. The Dolphins, Josh just kills the Dolphins, man. Holy cow. And the, the Rams are a really good team. So, like, this is – after two weeks, yeah, I think it was fair to say, well, they haven't really played anybody. The Rams are a good team, and Josh picked them apart too. So, I yep. think he's had a great development. And we can talk a little bit later about Brian Dable maybe getting a, an HC look this offseason. Let's keep talking about the game for now. Yeah, you know, Josh um... – Josh looked good. I thought he made, obviously, other than that, again, other than that one interception, I thought he made a lot of really good decisions with the ball. Um, he did tuck it in, run on one, which was was I'm always fine with him running it in from inside the 20, especially. That's where I think he's the most dangerous and, and the most unpredictable, really, with the ball. Um, but I, I, I thought overall the offense as a whole played very well. You know, Singletary got more touches uh, this week. Um, Cole Beasley – had a hundred yards receiving. And uh, you know, we 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 definitely can't forget about Gabriel Davis, who had a great game once again, uh, four catches for 81 yards. Um, I thought they did a really good job using him when John Brown went out um and re- really utilizing uh what the rookie Gabe Davis could could really bring to the game and 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 good on him. I I like Gabe Davis. I I've been a uh a fan of his since uh, my wife and I were living in Orlando and, and watching him at UCF. I always thought he was a very talented player. Uh, not a big fan of, of UCF, but on the other hand, hmm. uh, I was always a fan of Gabe Davis, and I, I thought he looked very, very good. Yeah, it's he's been a, a really nice addition. The Bills, he was they drafted two receivers this year, and you're like, wow, they really need those after they you know they went on and got digs. They got a really solid top three, and it hasn't uh, has not backfired at all. I know people in the offseason are like, oh, what about Duke Williams? Uh, Gabe Davis is the real deal. Yeah, Duke had another big catch today in practice, and I, I, I saw on Twitter <laughs> that people were just calling, why is this guy not on the active roster? Unfor- he's not on the active roster because there's so many better receivers ahead of him, Gabe Davis being one of them. And who really knows if I if Isaiah Hodges is going to come back this year or not, but everything we've heard on Isaiah Hodges is his hands are really, really good. Mm-hmm. You know, and and they were talking his hands up a lot more than what they were talking Gabe Davis's hands up. And if, if he has better hands than Gabriel Davis, man, this wide receiver court could be dangerous. Um, you know, it, it's funny though, looking at the at the box score and everything, it's strange that Isaiah McKenzie only had the one reception. I thought he, I I thought I noticed him on the field a lot more this week. Hmm. Maybe it's just me. I, I just felt like. Every big play, he was out there and, and doing something. Whether it was blocking, you know, I, I thought he caught more than one. But um, you know, I always feel like Isaiah McKenzie's kind of that 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 I guess you say sleeper on the team. You know, he's he's a guy that I feel like every week in week out, I am noticing on the field one way or the other. And I would say ninety five percent of the time, he's doing good things. He had that huge block a couple of weeks ago that was unfortunately called a penalty, which I thought was ridiculous. Um, but I, I feel like Isaiah McKenzie has been a great find for this for this team. Yeah, he's he's a gadget, man. Dabo loves getting him in unusual places with the ball in his hands and is trying to spring him free. Yeah, I mean, you know, and, and you want to talk about another guy who who I thought looked really well this week. Definitely can't talk about you know this past game and not talk about Tyler Croft. Got it. For everything that guy has been through, you know, between. His, his knee issues coming to Buffalo and, and 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 being put on IR and then having foot problems. And the guy just has not been able to catch a break. And to finally come out this year, I think he's having a, a fairly good year this year. He had two touchdowns last week when uh, uh, with Dawson Knox out. I thought he was a fine substitute for Dawson Knox this past week and, and looked really, really good and really, really comfortable in this offense. Got to ask you, did you – See the tweet from Dawson Knox's wife. You mean Tyler Croft's wife? Or I'm sorry, yes, Tyler Croft's wife. Yes, where she said that he was going to give her a heart attack. <laughs> no, almost. He said, "Update: My husband is going to make me go into labor today." <laughs> That's right. That's right. She's pregnant, and and she has stated, "Yes, yes, that was it." 
I was reading it to my wife, and she she did not find it as funny as I did. <laughs> uh, by the way, Tyler Croft was who the pass was intended to on Josh Allen's interception. Again, I'll read you right from the rule book. I thought he made a fine play. The rule book says, if a pass is cut simultaneously by two eligible opponents and both players retain it, the ball belongs to the passers. It is not a simultaneous catch if a player gains control first and an opponent subsequently gains joint control. If the ball is muffed after simultaneous touching by two such players, all of the players on the passing team become eligible to catch the loose ball. So you're thinking back that play in your head, and it's like Croft, I thought he pushed off pretty hard, but like in that situation, fine, take the penalty, whatever. He gets two hands solidly on the ball, and then the defender comes for it. And if if he breaks it up, that's a good defensive play. But I don't know how you say that that's not either the Bills guy having it first and the other guy gaining joint control or at least simultaneous possession, which would still be retained by the offense. I don't, I don't get that at, at all. It was ridiculous. Yeah. You know what? I'm, I'm actually looking at the picture that was taken when the catch was made. Mm-hmm. And you can see in the picture two hands that Tyler Croft has two hands clearly on the ball and the Rams defender Johnson does he's near him. He has his hand actually on his chest, but it's nowhere near the ball as Tyler Croft is going to the ground. Um, so as, as you and I were talking earlier, Nick, you know, I'm okay with him taking the penalty there to stop the interception. Mm-hmm. You know, I personally do not think from what I understand about offensive pass interference, but as we know, the NFL changes up what a pass interference is and what it catches every other week. Um, but I thought from what I know about, about offense pass interference, he did not fully extend that arm that where it should have been called an, an OPI. And on this interception, he, he, you know, looking directly at the pitcher when the catch is made, he has the, the ball in his hands. And from what I saw, when he went to the ground, he still had the ball in his hands. The defender was just able to get his hand up underneath once he went to the ground. Right. It wasn't like a fumble. Like a fumble, you fight until the whistle, and then you keep fighting, and the ref pulls people off, and you see who's got it. Like, this is a thrown pass, and we have a rule for this. And the, uh, just honestly, the second time this season – that we're going to harp on this, that they missed the um, the kick in week one that looked like it went through the uprights. And what happened? Jets came down and scored, turned the game around. This game, uh, what happens? One, two, three plays later, Goff to Robert Woods, touchdown. Now it's 28-17 instead of 28-10, and the Bills marching down the field, or probably punting at that point. But that's a swing. Like, I don't know how else you say that. Just not a good call. No, I, I agree. It's it's a call that you know the NFL needs to be better at, especially for for you to go and and take a second look at it and get a review of it and be able to slow it down with all the technology nowadays. You're telling me that you still thought that was an interception, you know? Obviously, watching on TV, I, I I don't get to see a lot of what you know some of the media that are actually in the stadium are able to see. But if I'm not mistaken, from what I saw on TV, when Tyler Croft got up, he still had the ball in his hands. So how it was an interception called on the field blows my mind. But it's it funny you say up. that because when, when you're in the stadium, like you really don't have that good of a view as a reporter. Like you watch it live and there's TVs in the press box. They're just showing the game, but you're like looking way up on the ceiling trying to see this thing because they don't want to like ruin the sightlines for anybody else in the press box. So I'm sure there are tons of people who have like replay angles, but not the, not the media. You actually probably have a, better view at home on, on some of the replays might be a little different for this year though. You know, especially with, with the, I'm sure the media is probably, well, they're, yeah, they're not even traveling a lot. They're watching home right. along with us. The, the Miami game went out and all their pores like, <laughs> I don't know how I'm supposed to report on this. Thank God for WGR. Right. Um, for once, but a- anyway, yeah, it, it definitely did to, to me did not look like an interception. It was a strange call. Um, you know, but, but, but let's fast forward. Right. So Buffalo obviously blows this lead. Buffalo's down um, go, going into the final drive, 32-28, and we see some Josh Allen magic on third and 22. First of all, I've slowed that, that throw down. If you look at that throw from behind the defense, you know, or, or, or from, yeah, from behind the defense, um, Josh Allen's window to fit that ball in was not very big. But Cole Beasley was the only guy that was open at least enough 
that he could have gotten that first down and he did, but man, that is a, in my opinion, and I, I'm not, I'm nothing more than a fan folks. I am, you know, simply telling you what I see, but that is, as they all say, that is an NFL throw. And that is, in my opinion, a, a, an MVP throw because there's not many quarterbacks in this league that I feel like could make that throw through that tight window and be able to pick up a first down on third and 22. With, on top of it, let's not forget the Bills' O-line, especially right after that interception, they completely demolished and, and, and were, were, were a non-factor, you know, Um Aaron Donald I, I had had a, a a forced fumble to drive before that, and the offensive line just was not blocking well for Allen, and for Allen to buy himself just enough time to fire that ball down into that window, pick up the first down on third and twenty-two in a in a big first down situation, and to bring your team over uh, midfield at that point, that was a huge huge throw. Yeah, that was that was just a rocket on a line. And I don't know how, how do you defend that? Like there, everyone else was was covered, like you said, and against like let's say pick any Bills drought era quarterback, just doesn't have the arm to fit it in there. Like that's probably just getting knocked down or picked off or something. Like just the arm strength is incredible. And let's give some credit to Cole Beasley. He caught it in front of the sticks and somehow fit his you know knifed his way through, got that extra couple yards. Man, third and 22, I think I looked this up there. The Bills had only converted third or fourth and 22 like three other times back in uh, the pro football reference play log back to 94. Like this never happens. Like so in the last 25 years of Bills football, that they, they picked up a play of that distance like less than, less than five times. Like incredibly rare thing. And Josh Allen just made it look like an everyday thing. Oh yeah, I'm, I mean that throw alone had the national media drooling over Do- Josh Allen this week. You know that throw alone shut up so many of the Josh Allen haters. And you know what? Before we go any further on on last week or this game, I think you and I both need to publicly issue an apology to Josh Allen. We both. If do. I remember, if I remember correctly, Nick, when this team drafted Josh Allen. You and I were both doubters with them picking Josh Allen over Josh Rosen. I don't think that means you need an apology. I think that's a statement of what you think about a prospect. And it doesn't like pro football focus literally said this guy's not going to be like, we didn't say he's not going to become something. Like, I think just acknowledging what you thought of him as a prospect means he has a, it's going to be harder for him to accomplish things in the NFL that other people have better are more attuned for with their skill set, I think is what it means. So, I don't so let, let me let me read you the tweet. Maybe, maybe I do more than you and I'm just trying to drag you down with me. <laughs> so all right, so, well, all so right I'll take it with day, you then. On draft day in twenty eighteen, Nick Veronica tweeted out is Brandon Bean's first draft, but passing up Josh Rosen for Josh Allen will be his defining move. Yeah. Yeah. And I and I commented right underneath that. can you start packing his bags now because this won't work out (laughs) i hope i'm wrong but wrong move being what a joke uh listen you you (laughs) hope that you were wrong and it's uh listen ask just ask your wife say listen charlotte i'm always wrong right you're always right i'm wrong like we're just gonna go with that in this situation too i am and, and you know what's funny ever since that day i think since really i i've seen josh allen play even in his first game Maybe second game. I I was one of those. Okay, this kid can be the real deal. Like I my my faith and focus on him changed real quick, and I thought for sure that 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 he could be the real deal. Now, if you would tell me that he would have been been this, I wouldn't have believed you. Not not yet. I thought maybe Buffalo still had two more years before we got to this point with him. But um, so far, man, this year he is he's just looking really really good and. You know, again, back to that fourth quarter drive that he had. You know, again, com- converting on the third and twenty-two, and then. Um, making... I'm really glad you just brought up that tweet. Just, just let it know. <laughs> just, not, just to remind everybody. Because keeping the, it honest with the self fact check. The Josh Allen uh, 
is it the Josh Allen apology that's oh, going that thing around? That was going around Twitter, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was you know, funny. I I almost filled one out because I'm like I owe this man an apology. <laughs> you know, you know and, what? On uh, Monday morning, I it was. I'm sure you can still do it, or maybe maybe hopefully you can do it again this Monday. Just go on Twitter and just search uh, in quotes wrong about Josh Allen end quote and hit search and then go to latest and it'll just so many people i was wrong about josh allen i was wrong i'm sorry i, <laughs> I had a i had a blast on monday morning just going through it was hilarious you know the national media really real quick was like absolutely not like we are we are wrong and um you know it, it, it's good to see right like let the kid get his dues he's he deserves it right now yeah again i just just want to finish making that point about his prospect status like a prospect, you're judging where they are now and what you think those skills will evolve into in the pros. And if you were judging them as prospects, like, no, Josh Allen was not better at that or did not project better at that time than some of the other guys in that draft, which is it, not everyone because, like, there were some people who were like, this guy is just a bust, period. But, like, I feel like most people were, like, it's not, it's not a bad thing necessarily if you were lower on him as a prospect. Like he had farther to go at that point in his career. And it didn't mean he couldn't do it. It just meant his road was harder. And I think as long as you're like admitting that, number one, and number two, like I think you got to be a little just humble about your opinion with quarterbacks because we know how often that they don't work out. Like if you thought he was going to face longer odds and then he still became good after that, like – that's just impressive. And like, all you need to say is like, so happy for this kid that it worked out. Like, you know, he had struggles and X, Y, and Z coming out of college. It's harder for most people to overcome issues of accuracy and reading the field and stuff like that. It's looking pretty good so far. It doesn't mean you're terrible at evaluating quarterbacks. It doesn't mean you're a bad person. It doesn't mean you hate Josh Allen. That was your take on the time. You know how things normally go. And if he's, Beating the odds, that's just credit to him. Just be honest about it. It doesn't mean you're stupid. It means <laughs> randomness is part of life. And if this was an exact science, like we wouldn't have, you know, all these sleepers all the time. So I'm happy for him. I thought he had longer, you know, longer road to go in development. And he's made that development anyway. So I'm I'm happy for him. And let's not forget, Josh Allen up until really up until the till draft day was um was thought to be the number one draft pick in, in the draft. That they, everyone thought he was going to Cleveland until Cleveland came out and said, you know, until, until all the rumors started. And, and you know, Josh Allen's tweets from when he was 15, 16 years old came up, and I feel like that really is what dropped him down to Buffalo, in my honest opinion. You think? I, I kind of remember Baker was pretty pretty set number one. Well, I, in a lot of the mock drafts, I mean, if you watch what, uh, what Mike Mayock had to say at the time and a few of the other guys and um, – you know, Mel Kuyper, they were going back and forth between Allen and um, Mel Kuyper was bigger on Allen than most people. I feel yes. like, yes, I and mean, I, which, I, is, I, which is to say he had him like 10 spots higher, which is, which is not, not still, much. still thought very highly of, but yeah, Kuyper was higher. Yeah. Kuyper was, was a big Josh Allen guy, but I remember, and maybe this is early on in the draft process. Maybe it wasn't as long as what I thought. You know, trying to remember that far back is is, is hard at my age nowadays. But um, you know, he 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 had uh, at one point was was looked at as maybe the best draft prospect, mostly a because of his arm size, all of that stuff. You know, the comparables to Cam Newton, right? And then you had a guy like Baker Mayfield who was a little bit smaller, a little bit shorter, um, different type of quarterback, obviously. Um, but we, we, we've seen how well it's worked out for both sides. In my opinion, I don't, I don't think Baker is, you know, if you go back and you reorder those first round quarterbacks, or, you know, or, or you really look at the, the four, I would, I would, you know, maybe leave Lamar out of that one, but you look at the four, right? You look at the big four, Baker, Allen, uh, Rosen and Darnold. Mm-hmm. I think Allen's the clear number one right now at this point. Baker two, Donald three, and Rosen. I was obviously four. He's he's on a practice squad at this point. Not even a starting quarterback in the league. Yeah, uh, and man, how many people were wrong, or maybe not wrong, but failed to see the possibilities of Lamar too? Like you gotta. Oh yeah, that's, that's a knock on so many people. Yeah, I mean, you know, good for the Ravens. 
My my big knock on Lamar, and I say this every year, he's in the playoffs the last two years. He can't he he gets into a playoff game and completely forgets how to play football. It showed the last two years in both playoff games that they were in. They were the favorite for the Super Bowl last year. Yeah, he had a career in. low passing yards last week against the Kansas City. Yeah, I, I'm. I, I think he's he's a good quarterback. I but I think he's a quarterback that is easy to stop. And I think once teams start figuring out, you know, much like an RG three, RG three was a good quarterback his first couple of years. Then teams started to figure out how to stop him, and things change. You know, that Lamar's not a quarterback like a guy like a Josh Allen where he can be a threat now with his arm and he can be a threat with his legs. You really got to worry about him more with his legs more than so with his arm. Yeah. All right. Quick transition while I have this uh, tab up here. Uh, Jim Kelly once had one string of games where he threw for 300 yards three times in a row in 1992. He threw for 308, 306, and 302. So Josh is the second Bills quarterback to ever have three consecutive 300-yard-plus games. And if he does it again this week, it'll be a franchise record, four straight. Man, he is just – the kid's good, man. You know, I, I don't know what else to say. Dude, Josh, keep, keep it up is, is what you got to say. Like, dude, yeah, keep doing I, it again. I'm excited. You know, he again, He Josh has that big pass, third and 22. It's not something that we've seen. And I think a lot of Bills fans, when he made that throw, just their jaws dropped, right? We don't see that often. We're not lucky enough as a franchise to have seen that very often in the last 20 years since Kelly left. And sure enough, here – Here's the, the this kid that a lot of people doubted and and still up until really last week and and even some still this week have a lot of doubts on on Josh Allen and his development and what he can do and uh, and and again he proved a lot of people wrong last week he completes the third and twenty two um, completes the short pass to to McKenzie um, and then w- was able to convert another first down and and start moving the ball down downfield and. Um, you know, third and 25, and they, they completed a short pass. And fourth and eight was obviously that that was the turning point. Obviously, that the, the, the fourth down and eight, um, Josh Allen tries to hit Gabe Davis, and, and and we'll talk a little bit about the pass interference there. But obviously, pass interference on the defense, Buffalo gets the ball on the three, and we all know what happened from there. Uh, so let me ask you this, Nick defensive pass interference, yes or no? Whew, that was – I thought it was, and I thought Rams fans would have been rightly upset about it. Like, it, it was a pretty close call, and you could definitely say, like, fourth quarter, end of the game, like, just put the whistle away. Like, I wouldn't really have had a major problem in a vacuum if they hadn't called it, but I thought after – just such an egregious miss earlier in the game against the bills. Like they owed the bills a call at least. So um, in the whole picture, like right on pass interference um, in a vacuum, like if they didn't call it, then bills fans would be like, well, you should have called it. Like, I don't know if that's, if it's first and goal and that happens and it's not such an important play, like maybe they just, oh, you got three more tries, we'll let it go. Um, I think it's, if there was any fan base that was more excited than Bills for that call, it was definitely the Saints fans. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he does he does have his hands on him after five yards. So, like in the letter of the rules, like yeah, that was a penalty. Like, but you've seen so many examples of like worse things not being called. So, mm-hmm. um, somebody I think Sal Capaccio maybe mentioned like, okay, it could have been um, illegal contact, or it could have been like there's some other you know rules of why it wasn't that. Uh, I don't like. I I didn't definitely didn't have a problem with it at all. I thought they owed mm-hmm. the Bills a call for sure, and I don't know. Don't I mean if you if you it just blew my mind watching the replay. I don't know what the offensive line is doing. Like pressure, like at least one guy comes totally unblocked. Allen had to just throw up a prayer. Like if the Bills would have lost, you'd be like, "What the frig was that?" Like that's your fourth down play, like a ball that's not really near a guy that much, and you have like free rushers coming in. Like that would have been a really crappy play to end the game on, right? So Josh, I don't know. You could say he got bailed out by the call. Like I don't know if Davis is catching that pass without pass interference. Like it wasn't like you know bang bang just held him and would have had it otherwise. Like it just it just looked ugly. 
I feel like that throw, though, was thrown to Gabe Davis because Josh saw the hands on the defender. And so so I, I was listening to Dean Blandino and, and, and a few of the other you know officials that Fox has on on the yeah the rules analyst there yeah yeah they uh they do a show on Monday mornings where they kind of go over everything and this was obviously a big call that they talked about Mm -hmm. and one thing that was said through this whole thing was if you watch the replay you could see and they obviously slowed it down so it's a lot easier to see when it's slowed down as opposed to you know being there live but you know, when it was slowed down, especially you could see on the replay where Gabriel Davis was going to cut back towards the corner of the end zone, and the defense, uh, the the defensive back did not let him get back. His hands were still on him at that point mm-hmm. when he tried to cut back. After had, five yards. After five yards, had Gabe Davis just been running a slant mm-hmm. to the middle, mm-hmm. I guarantee you that call doesn't get called. But because, because he didn't so- impede his progress to the middle, correct. But because he impeded his progress to go back to the outside, okay, that's a good that point. Is, that is why the call was made. Also, it doesn't help that uh, he just threw his hands up <laughs> after ten yards. Like I didn't do anything as soon as the ball was thrown. The, yeah, the other reason why giveaway always. The other reason oh, was it they, wasn't me. Nothing to see here. When they slowed it down as well, as soon as when the ball left Josh Allen's hands, the defender still had his hands on Gabriel Davis. Mm. So had his hands been off of him. Before the ball was in the air, again, it would probably not have been called. But yeah. because his hands were in the air, or I'm sorry, because the ball was in the air, that that also led to the penalty. Yeah. At the end of the day, you can call it good call, bad call, whatever. There should have been a penalty for one or the other there. I, I felt like it was a defensive penalty. Um, maybe instead of being ball on the three, it would still would have been a first down for Buffalo anyway. But – maybe would have had a little bit further to go, maybe from the, the seven or eight. Um, but I feel like either way you you call that play call, the Buffalo call down there on the three. And and can we just talk about real quick too, the sure. grab by by uh, Tyler Croft there? Like, did, have you seen the slow-mo of the catch? I like, don't think you want to talk about a finger – have you seen the picture of it? Like a fingertip catch. You I got to go look this up fingertip now. catch. Holy cow. That, that ball was very easy – to uh, that, that ball would have been very easy. Easy to say, oh my gosh, Josh Allen missed them. Josh Allen missed a wide open Tyler Croft. There were two guys there, and Tyler Croft just threw his hands up. I I feel like he extended his hands and his fingers as far as he could, hmm. and just got just got grabbed that ball and brought it down for the catch. And it was just a uh, an 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 unreal catch, you know, to say the least. I I thought it was a a great. Uh, Great draw by Dable and the offense. Um, you know, one one thing goes without saying, Nick, and, and you brought mm-hmm. up a little bit too. Obviously, the offensive line on that fourth down just looked like they completely gave up. But I I feel like the offensive line through the entire second half looked like they gave up. Um, I heard an interesting stat today uh, from Marcel uh, Louis-Jacques the ESPN reporter for the Buffalo Bills. I'll give him his credit where credit is due. And he said that through the first half of football, in the first half of football, the Buffalo Bills are the best team in the NFL. In the st- second half of football, the Buffalo Bills ranked rank 30th in the NFL. Dude, I have a different tweet up here, breaking it down by quarters. First quarter, oh, Bills, better. yeah. Bills have outscored their opponents 28 to 7 in the first quarter. They've outscored their opponents 31 to 9 in the second quarter. That is massive. And then I don't know what they do at halftime, but like just they got to do something else. Third quarter, opponents have outscored the Bills 24 7. Fourth mm-hmm. quarter, opponents 37 to 27. Yeah. Well, I don't like halftime in the NFL is like when you're like using the bathroom, getting a snack, like it feels like it's kind of long. You're like, where's my game? When you're that, like, it's really not that much time. Like people talk about these halftime adjust, like for the players, it's not really that much time. Like the coaches might adjust what, what, what they're planning, but the players, you basically go back in, you know, get a snack or something or use the bathroom or whatever. And then it's time to run back out already. Like, I don't know, but they got to do something different. And I know that the bills have seemed to start with the ball in the first half and then in the second half they're on defense then one drive kind of sputters out and then the other team has the ball 
So it feels like they haven't had the ball much in the third quarter. So that can be like maybe a like half an excuse. It's just such a stark thing. Like keep your foot on the gas, man. Put people away. And then when you give up four touchdowns in a row in the second half, you won't blow a lead. I don't know. It's if we're gonna talk about something that's concerning at three and oh, like I don't know, just inexplicably bad. The second half Buffalo Bills are are, as you just said, um a bad football team in the second half. And it's funny because for years you know, the joke with, with, with me and my friends is always the Bills are a second-half team because they came out looking like a completely different team in the second half. They but, do have fourth-quarter Josh Allen. Right. They do have fourth-quarter Josh Allen. That is, that is true. Um, however, the defense this year in the fourth quarter just completely looks like you want to talk about taking your foot off the brake. The defense is taking their foot right off the brake. Off the gas, yeah. off the gas. I'm sorry, and and, and they're putting their foot on the brake. <laughs> you know, it, it's almost like the defense comes out and they're like, okay, we have a 21 point lead, or you know, whatever it might be, we have a big lead. We don't we don't need to try as hard anymore. You know, now some of that could also be, I would say, a lot of guys are, got banged up last week. Um, you know, I thought Matt Milano looked okay, but you know, Tremaine Edmonds had a terrible game last week. He missed a big hole, or I'm sorry, a, a, a big tackle on the final touchdown that the Rams scored where he made the contact and he made, you know, a, a very good hit, but you could tell he tried to hit him with that shoulder that was in the sling that you could see that was on him. And, uh, and he was just not able to, uh, to hold on to, to, to make the tackle all the way. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, it sounds like from what I've read online from uh, uh, banged up bills, um, it sounds like it's more of like a AC joint issue and more of a labrum issue, which is a good thing. You know, I, I've had that issue where, um, you know, you, you injure your labrum. You know, I, I have it from, from hockey and stuff like that. But he uh, he did mention that the with, with the cast that he's wearing or the sling that he is wearing on that shoulder, it looks like it could be an AC issue. And if it is an AC issue, that would explain more for why he was, was not able to make that make that tackle. Awesome analysis. Love it. Yeah, if, if you don't follow Banged Up Bills on Twitter, they are really great to, to follow, especially um, on all the injuries with the Bills. They, they, they really keep you up um, up to date on, on injuries day in, day out, and they really are they do a really good job of breaking things down for you based on uh, what they've seen in the game and what, what they're hearing around, around the league. That's uh, a guess we should have at some point. It's Banged Up Bills. Yeah, I would love to have them on. I'm a big fan of their page. I'm always, you know, whenever there's an injury, uh, you know, on, on Sunday, the first thing I do on Monday is, is, is go right to there. Um, all right, well, listen, all of our, our listeners out there, we're going to we're gonna try to make that happen this year, all right? We're going to try to follow through. Absolutely. Yeah, we, we definitely got to get them on. I, like I said, big fan of them. Um, you know, I, I think Kyle does a pretty good job over there. So, um, but anyway, so – Bills had some more injuries last week. Obviously, it looks like most of the team is good to go. The only one that concerns me is Ed Oliver. Um, you know, he is considered day-to-day this week going into week four uh, against the Raiders, but but he's another guy that that is is is, is, is still a little banged up from his knee injury um, from a couple weeks ago. But with all that said, man, um, Bills came out on top week three. Uh, biggest injury I thought of the day was obviously to John Brown, but it looks like he's he should be good to go this week and come back. It's amazing how much that offense changed when John Brown went out. Yeah, he was limited to practice on Thursday. Um, man, it's like it's so weird because all year you've been like, wow, the Bills actually have elite receivers. This is awesome. And by the way, that's huge for quarterback development too. Don't to, like, don't for, like. This isn't Josh. You know, found some magic dust this offseason. Like, having great receivers totally helps everything, and they oh, should yeah. get credit for that. Uh, yeah. yeah, John Brown, man, holy cow! Like, flies under the radar nationally for sure. But the Bills need this guy. You know, and and my my favorite thing with John Brown, you know, right when Buffalo first went after him when he when he ended up signing with with Baltimore, mm-hmm. you know. I was like, come on, you know, this guy wants to go to Baltimore. We're coming to Buffalo. And then Baltimore didn't bring him back the following offseason. And he ended up finding his way into Buffalo. And 
Um, you know, say, I, I think he's fairly happy here. He, he has a very good connection with Josh Allen and he has nothing but positive things to say. And Stefan Diggs has even said about John or yeah, said about John Brown here in the past. Um, he's probably the most underrated number two receiver in the league. And I think that shows, I think John Brown in this offense between Stefan Diggs, Cole Beasley and, uh, and, and John Brown and Dawson Knox for that matter, you can't double team all of them. One of them, you're going to leave it with one-on-one coverage and, John Brown is a dangerous guy in one-on-one coverage. If you want to talk about injury news, the only injury news I want to talk about is Josh Norman coming back this week. I'm excited for it. They just released Cam Lewis. Looks like they're making a roster spot for Norman. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I am looking forward to this. We've been talking about this on the podcast literally since the move happened. They got big plans for Josh Norman. I think he's going to be a huge help on this defense. Yeah, you know what? I, I think Josh Norman will be a huge help. We've talked about Levi Wallace's struggles, um, you know, throughout the year. He looked a little bit better last week. Obviously, the, the, the whole offense really did, or the whole defense for the most part on the outside looked good through, like I said, two and a half quarters. But um, after that, man, you know, getting getting a guy like him back will, will be huge for this defense. And maybe we don't see that third quarter, uh, fourth quarter slump anymore on on this team. You know, may, maybe having a guy like Josh Norman back there to to shore up that that other side uh, across from Trey White that could be huge. Yeah. And 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 again, you know, I'm not real high. I I, I go. I know I probably fluctuate this week in week out. I'm not this year the highest on Levi Wallace. I was expecting a lot more out of him this year. I thought this was a make or break year for him, and I still do. Um, but if Josh Norman comes in and plays well. I don't know how much more we see Levi Wallace in a Buffalo Bills uniform. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, I mean, I think he's good to have as a backup, but you know, forcing him into the starting lineup is not ideal. I think he's, he's got a spot as the third corner. If somebody needs a breather, gets injured, gets banged up, he's fine to put in there to plug. I'm excited. You got Trey on one side, Josh Norman on the other, getting back into his own scheme after being misused in Washington. I'm excited for it. I will go out on a limb and say if Josh Norman plays, he gets an interception this week. That'll be my hot take. I think so. I, you know, and and I think look, looking forward to this week, you know, and and I'm assuming for the most part, we're let me let me just finish this part from from last week real quick, Nick. Okay. The Bills are good. They they are a very good football team. They there there's no doubt about that. Last week proved that. I felt like to, again to a lot of people that this Buffalo Bills team is for real. If they can fix their second half struggles, there's no doubt in my mind that this team may be able to make a run. Now, I'm not saying Super Bowl. I'm not saying that they're they're a Super Bowl team. Well, I think their biggest test really comes in in three weeks when they play the Chiefs. Um, but if they can win that game, I'm not saying I'm going to say that they could be Super Bowl winners. But I'm not. <laughs> Dude, you're going to say that. I'm not saying that. I'm not going to say it. <laughs> I would like to see this like. The Chiefs are defending champs. If you lose to the Chiefs, like that's expected. Like, I want to see the Bills this week. They're playing the Raiders. The Raiders are fine. Whatever. The Bills, you should beat the Raiders. Like, that's what I want to see. Handle the games you should handle, and don't have terrible letdowns like we've come to know so well over the last twenty years. Beat the teams you should beat. I like go into Oak, or I'm sorry, go into Vegas, and just handle them. Like you're better than they are. Just go out and play like it. That's what I want to see. And yeah. by the way, now that you're done talking about that, thanks for – I was like, here's my hot take. And you're like, oh, yeah, I think so. Like, just, oh, okay. Like, <laughs> I'll have to come yeah. up with a hotter take now. No, I have to come up with a hotter take. But, yeah, you know what, I, I think uh, – so So looking forward to, to week four. Obviously, I, I'm i not a big fan of the Raiders. Never have been. Never will be. Uh, personally, I feel like, you know, the Davis family just – I'm not complete jokes of owners because they can't keep their team in one city. But without all that said, right, um, Derek Carr and the Oakland Raiders, they, they haven't been a bad team. I thought last week was obviously their first real bad week. Cam Newton didn't do much much on them throwing the ball, but uh, the run game of the New England Patriots really carved apart that uh, Oakland Raider defense. Listen, any team that pays money to employ Nathan Peterman to play professional football – is one that I have to question a lot of things with that organization. Okay. No matter what happens this week, the bills cannot lose their team 
paying Nathan Peterman for quarterback services. So hang on, let me ask you this. Now, now I haven't seen this, so I guess this is my my main question: Is Marcus Mariota activated off of IR? Oh, I saw that. Um, listen, I want whatever gets Nathan Peterman closer to action. <laughs> whatever happened, like I'm for it. Tell me, 2020 has been so messed up. Tell, if Nathan Peterman comes out and beats the Bills, like 2020 is just totally off the ledge. We're going to stop doing our podcast because we might need to just like spend all of our time like with loved ones before the end of the world or something. I don't know. I, yeah. I, I mean, Peterman, so, come on. Get Peterman in the game, please. So it looks like from what I've read is uh, – from what I'm seeing here is the Raiders cut Deshaun Kaiser – uh, to make room for Marcus Mariota at practice. So it sounds like they're going to be taking him off of the IR, but he may be running third string quarterback. So unless Derek Carr gets COVID or injured this week, you know, we're, we're literally a, a, a Derek Carr injury or a COVID case away from uh, Nate Peterman being the starting quarterback and playing against the Buffalo Bills. Real quick note since you mentioned COVID case. Uh, looking ahead, the Titans are dealing with COVID right now. The Bills are supposed to play the Titans next week after the Raiders game. Do you think that's something that could linger and affect that game? Maybe. I, th- you know, obviously, it's with this whole thing being so unpredictable. If if more players continue to get diagnosed throughout the week, um, you know, as, as next week goes on, then yeah, obviously, I, I don't think the Bills will play. Now, obviously, there's concerns. And the Bills don't sound as concerned as what maybe some fans and the media sound like, but the Raiders were just uh, photographed at a charity event, not wearing masks at the charity event, um, and there is some concerns from from the Buffalo media and the national media that maybe, you know, maybe the Raiders, some of the Raiders fans may have caught it, and that spells bad news. You know, obviously, ho- hopefully for both sides that none of the Raiders players. Uh, are going to be infected, and and obviously, hopefully, not the Bills players are. But I will say, it sounds like to me, when it comes to this Bills team and the way they're treating COVID, and from the top down, that this team is here this year to win, and they're not letting anything slow them down. And it sounds like every player, every coach, every front office person, whoever it might be, is taking this COVID thing very seriously, and they're not here to mess around this season, you know. They're, let other teams go out, mess around, do their thing. Um, but it, it really sounds to me like Sean McDermott's trying a pretty tight ship there when it comes to this COVID. I think that uh, it's hard to knock a charity event, so I don't, I don't want to get the wrong impression here. But I think the thing is that the local ordinance, um, because of their COVID rates, is that you can't have more than 50 people at a gathering. And they were over that, and players were not wearing masks. And just the NFL has been so strict about do not – do anything wrong that could jeopardize a game and basically like don't cost us money basically what they're saying yeah. um, so i think be th- through those rules like we're, we're not saying you know stop doing charity just don't want to give the wrong impression but um the, yeah the raiders they could get fine they could even draft picks could come into play they, they said teams that are coaches that aren't wearing masks on the sideline the right way could end up you know, costing draft picks. They, well, like, and they've already been fined a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, John Gruden was just fined two weeks ago for not wearing a mask properly. I mean, he had one on, but not wearing it properly. Um, you know, watching some of these games, like I, I have the, the the Broncos game on right now, the Broncos Jets game. Vic Fangio's on the sideline with this thing on the the shield. Shield, that's the Andy shield. on the side. That's not going to be doing much for him in case you know Code wants to get all up in that shield, but. Uh, you know, I think those shields are the dumbest things. But, you know, if, if the NFL is going to allow it, that's fine. Um, at the end of the day, right, unless you're living in Florida, everyone is still under some pretty strict COVID uh, restrictions. You know, Florida now just opened up that there are no more restrictions at bars, restaurants, gatherings. Everything can open 100% now. Yeah, it's um, not going to last. You know, I, I'm glad Buffalo's done with their trips to Florida for the year. Um, I'm going to be curious to see. Uh, you know what happens with the Dolphins going forward, and 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 obviously that team's in a little different situation than what the Bills are. But it does seem like the Dolphins' uh, coaching staff, front office there as well, doesn't doesn't really play around, doesn't play no games. And a lot of that was evident last year when players said that they didn't want to be there. They said, 
okay, you don't need to be here. Don't buy. You don't want to buy into our culture. We'll see you later. And uh, I don't think that they're going to be playing many games down there either, especially now. Um, but with all that said, you know, COVID, no COVID. Hopefully the Bills are playing the Titans next week. I was actually supposed to go to this game, but the Titans aren't allowing fans right now, so we're obviously not going. Um, but week four, Bills Raiders, Derek Carr, I'm not – a big Derek Carr fan, never really have been. Um, you know, I felt like there was a lot of hype behind him. At one point, he was the highest paid quarterback in the league for maybe a year or two or, or half a year. But I've never been a big believer in Derek Carr. I do like John Gruden, but I like John Gruden better behind the desk on Monday Night Football than what I do mm-hmm. with him on the sideline. Um, but I, I feel like their biggest threat outside of Josh Jacobs at this point is Darren Waller. Darren Waller's had a very good year at tight end. He had a very good breakout year last year. And um, Carr loves him. Yes, and Carr loves him. And and we've seen the Bills have struggled. Uh, Miami, for instance. Um, for instance, Buffalo has struggled on defense blocking tight ends, and he is a very good pass-catching vertical threat tight end. Yeah. And, and that's one thing that concerns me. If if Tremaine is not 100%, and if 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 Milano's still not 100%, what are the chances uh, that Waller has a big game? And I'm telling all you fantasy owners now, uh, if you have uh, Darren Waller on your team, I would start him this week um, because tight ends have had fairly fairly big games against Buffalo. Yep, I agree with that, especially if they're short on uh, outside receiver too. He's going to be looking mm-hmm. for Waller. And I'll be curious to see what uh, – how Josh Jacobs looks against this Bills defense, you know, obviously the running game last week, uh, you know, Josh Jacobs did have 16 carries for 71 yards um, and uh, and three catches for 12 yards. So he, he, had a, he had a decent game. You know, 71 yards is, is respectable. But you look at the New England side of things, they ran the ball with Sonny Michelle nine times. In those nine runs, Sonny Michelle had 117 yards. That's something Buffalo can take advantage of this week. I feel like it, it looks like Zach Moss should be back. Uh, so between Zach Moss and um, and Devin Singletary, I feel like they, they can definitely make a run for it here, uh, no pun intended. Um, and obviously with Josh Allen and his wheels, I feel like this might be a week, much like week one, where we see Josh Allen running a little bit more this week. Um, and, you know, I, I think we can't talk about the Las Vegas Raiders, Nick, without talking – Mm-hmm. How dare we forget this about former Buffalo Bill, current wide receiver for the Las Vegas Raiders, Zay Jones. Man, I hope he just looks across the sideline and he's like, okay, that guy's better. That guy's better. Yeah. That guy's better. Okay. All right. I get it. It's fair. Yeah. I, I don't know. I was high on Zay Jones. I was really high on Zay Jones when they when they drafted him. I I had a lot of uh, um, hopes for him, and obviously, you know, we saw how that ended in Buffalo, and 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 the new coaching staff came in, and they were just like, "Okay, see you later. You're you're just not producing like what we thought." And 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 good on Bean. You know, I, to me, he wasn't the guy that I thought the Bills could get a lot for, and they were able to get something for him, and, and it all worked out. Um, so it's his first game going up against his former team, so I'll be curious to see how, how he plays and if he has a, that little bit of a chip on his shoulder. Um, but I, I'm looking forward to a good game. Um, do you have any predictions for next for this week, Nick? Uh, I like the Bills. I think after what we talked about, I especially love them. If you're looking for a bet here, I think Bills first half going to not, not the full game, take the first half. I think that might be – a good solid bet for you. Yeah, I like the Bills this week too. Um, you know, I guess if I had to take them at a score for this week, uh, I think 31 21 this week. I think Buffalo puts up 30 points again. I do think Josh Allen has another 300 or close to 300 yard game this week. Um, you know, I'm, I'm just going to throw that out there. It looks like the Raiders are only a three point underdog. Um, mm-hmm. but I think the Bills are obviously going to win by more than three. Um, and yeah, man, I I, I think it, it it should be a game. This, this this is one of those games that we've talked about all year, right? Where Buffalo needs to go in, 
and they need to just go win this game. This, to me, this is a lot like the, the the Jets game and the Dolphins game. These are games that Buffalo can win and should win. And I feel like the like the Las Vegas Raiders are a very beatable team. Um, just got to get a lot, a lot of pressure on Derek Carr, force him to make throws. He's not lighting the league up this year. He's only uh, 74 for 100 with 784 yards. He does have six touchdowns, no interceptions. Um, so he hasn't turned the ball over a lot, but I feel like he really hasn't gone against a strong defense like what the Buffalo Bills are, go- are going to bring into Vegas this week. Did you say you think Josh Allen will get another 300-yard game? I do. I do think Josh Allen will get another 300-yard game this week. Um, you can write that down. All right. The only thing I'm sad about Richie Incognito is on the IR. He's not going to get to face the Bills. No, and he won't be able to be on the sideline because he is on IR. Um, but that's okay. I, I'm 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 much happier without him playing. <laughs> he 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 was someone that I I was upset that Buffalo lost him. I understood after I saw what kind of happened once Buffalo got rid of him. Um, but I, I I was a big fan of him both his times in Buffalo. I I thought he was a solid solid piece on that offensive line. All right, last word before we go. Got to give one mention, the Buffalo Blue Jays. Congrats on making the playoffs. Not so congrats on getting swept in two games and just bowing out with only scoring three runs against the Rays. That was pretty, pretty bad. But crazy year. It was cool having you here. Probably won't see the major leagues in Buffalo ever again. It was fun while it lasted. Yeah, you know what? I, I going, going on our point a little bit from last week, Nick, I would love to get someone from – you know, a baseball writer, someone on it and, and do a show on some baseball. Um, you know, I, I'll be honest. I don't know much outside of the Atlanta Braves because they're the team I probably followed, obviously followed the closest living in Atlanta. Congrats. But Just advanced today. Congrats. They did. they did. They they didn't look good yesterday in game one, but they look good today in game two. Um, but I, I would, I would definitely like to have someone on and see what, just, just to chat a little bit, but what would ever be the odds that a, a major league baseball team ends up in Buffalo. From my understanding, you know, the Blue Jays really enjoyed everything that Buffalo offered to them. And, and major league baseball was fairly impressed with how Salem field got put together the way that it was. Now, obviously there would have to be either a brand new stadium built or uh, they would have to do a lot of work on, on the existing Salem field. But yeah, uh, I mean, I mean, I don't think it's going to happen in major leagues in Buffalo, but if, if it was, I think they would, they would use the same stadium. And when they built it, there was thought, they thought of trying to get that in the, the top, top deck of it. That's like currently covered up has concrete set up to handle more seats if they need to. Yeah. I think they just got to add some out in the outfielder, you know, something. Yeah. Like I mean, that. It, would, it would take a lot of work internally too, but like, I just, I don't think that's going to happen unless no. there's another, uh, another billionaire out there that we don't know about who loves baseball and just wants to bring a team here. No, outside of that, if, there, if there's a, another Terry Pagula out there who loves baseball, like we'd love to have a team, please do it. Uh, that sounds kind of unlikely. I don't want this Terry Pagula to buy the team though, or to buy a baseball team because he's got too much to focus on right now. Um, but outside of that, man, I'm excited to, to, for the second round of the baseball playoffs. Um, you know, Atlanta's looking good. Freddie Freeman should clean up with MVP in the National League at least. Um, and I'm hoping that the Astros get swept next series because uh, <laughs> um, But last word from me, congratulations to Tampa Bay Lightning on winning Lord Stanley's Cup. Uh, I don't know if you've seen any of the videos from the parade yesterday. A uh, little bit upset with them, I guess. Oh. With the parade, uh, with all the oh, parade. for the, the um, mask, no mask, none of that stuff. But you know what? Hey, we've seen it year in, year out. They they really didn't care. There was uh, a lot of celebration going on. The my favorite picture was Alex Kalorn on a jet ski holding the Stanley Cup, wearing a Tampa Bay Rays jersey. Uh, it was it was definitely a fun parade to watch. I I, I watched the whole thing. Um, and and it, it was just it was enjoyable. I, it was nice to see them win. I, I definitely did not want to see Dallas win. Um, yeah, man, but, isn't that just such a shame? The Stars lost the cup. I'm just really upset darn, for them. Darn. It's, and 
And and you know, it's so so going back to game, what was it game five when they won in overtime? Jay McKee tweeted out. I don't don't know if you saw this. Mm-mm. Jay McKee tweeted out saying, "Wait, so his foot was in the crease and it's still a goal." <laughs> I thought that was funny, but besides the point, Tampa Bay's got some uh, serious cap issues coming up this off off season. So I'll be curious to see what happens uh, there. Um, from what I've read and heard, they're expecting a lot of offer sheets to come in uh, for a lot of the younger guys. Yeah, I really we'll like. See. I'm skeptical yeah. offer sheets are actually going to happen. There's always offer sheets, but I really like Anthony Sorelli. If, if he uh, becomes a free agent, I wouldn't mind seeing Buffalo go after him, depending on where they are. But free agency does start up next week or the following week. Um, I'm all confused with my dates for for hockey right now because everything's changed so much. But um, yeah, I, I'm excited for this this longer than normal off season. Um, and I'm, I'm going to go out. I'm, I'm going to say it now. So I don't have to apologize three years from now. I like Kevin Adams. I think he may be a, 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 a I don't want to say a sleeper pick, a sleeper guy at, at, at GM, but I feel like he flew under the radar for a long time. And I feel like he has a lot of experience in this league. The guys won a cup as a player. Um, and he was a very good assistant coach. I have a lot of faith in him running the front office. Um, so we'll, we'll see what he can do. We'll see how much of a uh, rope the Pagulas let him have before they, they yank him back in. All right. That's going to do it for us. Thank you for listening. You can follow us on Twitter at the underscore process pod. Subscribe to us, please. We check, we check how many people are listening and we'd love to see more of you. If you have a question for us, hit us up on Twitter. We will answer it. We will give you a shout out. Absolutely. Yeah. Hit us up on Twitter at the underscore uh, process pod. Um, Nick, what is your Twitter handle at Nick Veronica? You know, I should know it after all these, uh, after all these weeks. It's just my name, man. That's it. Yeah. It's easy to remember. Uh, My Twitter handle is Chowit 68. Again, any questions, comments, we're open. We're all ears. Send us a DM, slide in those DMS. uh, Ask us any questions you got. Bill Sabres. Yeah. If you're, small, if you're a small business but like an ad read on this podcast, we are willing to <laughs> listen to offers. We're open to anything. That's right. But uh, thank you guys for listening. As always, go Bills. And remember to always trust the, the process. process.